1952 Topps Mickey Mantle rookie card is simplistic perfection. It's flawless and beyond iconic. Everything about the card is perfect. The stunning close crop painting portrait of a young mantle captured staring off into the distance while holding a bat over his right shoulder with a clear blue sky in the background, it's quite a sight. The bottom of the card has a white nameplate that features a facsimile autograph with the Yankees logo standing out on the left corner of the nameplate against a yellow background. And of course, the clean white borders that surround this jewel complete the masterpiece. It's the Mona Lisa, or the girl with the pearl earring of the baseball card hobby. It is truly one of the greatest works of art ever produced. Who better to discuss this iconic card with than a man who actually owned and recently sold one of the highest graded 52 Tops mantles in existence? Longtime hobbyist and former NFL offensive lineman, Evan Mathis. Evan, it's Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Not much. Hey, I'm just sitting here thinking about that amazing card you sold recently. That was a beauty, wasn't it? If you're up to it, let's talk about the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle card. Yeah, let's do it. I'm Chris Stuber, and this is Episode 5 of the Baseball Cards Daily Podcast. I have to start off by asking, and this may sound like a crazy question, although I can only imagine them being both childhood dreams, what was the greater achievement for you, winning Super Bowl 50 with the Denver Broncos or becoming the owner of a 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle card? Um, that's a good question, but I'm going to have to say that the childhood dream come true would be the Super Bowl for sure. Now, if my, my 52 Mantle was a PSA 9, if it was a PSA 10, then it might be a tougher decision to choose between the two. I can only imagine that. And I read that you traded 90% of your previous card collection and made payments to acquire the 52 Tops Mantle. What were some of the key cards you traded in that transaction? That's a good question too. Um, and So basically, most of my collection I had been focusing on up to that point was high-grade Hall of Fame rookies. In there, I had a 54 Tops PSA 9 Hank Aaron. Wow. I had the Pop 1 1969 Topps Kareem Abdul-Jabbar PSA 10 rookie. Um, there was a 78 Topps baseball registry set, um, an 86, I think, 86 Topps football registry set. I think it was number two on the registry at the time. There was just all kinds of stuff. You know, I was just throwing everything in there. And then once I got all that in there, there still had to be money in the payment plan left to finish acquiring the card. So. Well, we, I did that, agreed to terms, and then it took me, I still, had, I still had to work for it for a few months before I was able to pay it off and finally get it. So how long did that process take you for you to actually acquire that mantle card? Let's see here. It might have been, it might have been like six plus months wow. after we agreed to terms. But the guy, that, the guy that told me worked really well with me and gave, once we agreed to the terms, he gave me pretty much no interest financing. I just started making payments, and you know, sometimes it wasn't a payment that would get made. It would be like, hey, I came across this card. Can I right. trade you this towards the balance? And that's just kind of, that's something I've always enjoyed, that part of the hobby, being able to, to trade. And, and it's a lot of fun to do deals like that when you're trading for whatever, when you're trading for whatever you want. You know what I mean? Sure. Absolutely. And when you say agree to terms, I'm thinking in terms of NFL contracts. Did you actually have a lawyer? draw up an agreement for this transaction. 
Most people probably would, but this was just me and guy, me and the, me and the guy doing a, a deal. Of, we just did it over text, no contracts, wow. no anything. It was all trust, no contracts involved. And then I just started sending money his way, and I thought about it. And what if someone did try to steal my money? Yeah, well, there's not that many. You know, there's not that many places you could hide. So, <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and you're a former so, offensive yeah. lineman, so why would he screw you over? Yeah, so that comes into play. That yeah, comes right. Through. Sure. Uh, we're going to waste our time with lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> now, was there any card that you gave up in that transaction that you said, man, I wish I still had that card? Yeah, not really. Maybe, maybe the, uh, honestly, you know what? At first it was kind of the, uh, it was kind of the Queen Abdul Jabbar. It was that because it was a pop one. And then shortly, shortly thereafter, the second 10 got graded. So it went from a pop one to a pop two. And okay, I had to let mine go. And that's going to, the value is going to come down just a little bit when it becomes, you know, a pop two. But at first, that was kind of one that I thought about holding on to. But uh, everything else, it's 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 stuff that I could eventually re- reacquire without much trouble. I have called the 52 Tops Mantle one of the greatest works of art ever produced. To me, it's just flawless and beyond iconic. What is it specifically about that card that lured you in? I think it starts with the prominence of the 52 Tops set overall. Right. Like the first major issue, color with players post-war it's a bigger card the whole the whole set just kind of basically that set laid the foundation for what trading cards would eventually become it all starts there you do have the stuff before that like the 51 bowman the 48 Leafs, and stuff like that but for what trading cards would ultimately become the 52 top set pretty much laid the foundation for that uh and then you had the short printed high numbers that because it was so it sold the set sold so well in the first the first series that when it came time to produce the the high numbers, they produced a, um, they produced them and then ended up not being able to sell a lot of them. And then the rumor goes that a lot of those were destroyed after the fact. So you end up with the short printed high numbers. And then what stands out among those is the 52 Mantle. It's the, it's the best card in one of the best sets of all time. Absolutely. It's, it's looked at as you, you know, the, pretty much the 51 Bowman Mantle is his rookie card and the mm-hmm. 52 Tops is his rookie card. They're both his rookie cards in my eyes. And that, the, the 52 Tops card just kind of like the T206 Hunters Widener. Those two have just kind of become the face of the hobby over time. And every single one of us that grows up in the hobby, we kind of we just kind of see that card and, you know, we just get wired to respect it. And you finally learn why you need to respect it. Other than just seeing the exposure and seeing it plastered everywhere and seeing everybody talk about it, you eventually learn the history of it and you get a newfound respect for it once the, the more you learn about it. Every collector dreams about the 52 Tops Mantle card. What was it like to own that masterpiece? To get the one that I got, like I had had a few before that. There weren't obviously they weren't PSA nine, but you know I couldn't. I, there's no way I could afford that PSA nine when I got it. They sent me a picture of it, and I saw how well centered it was, and I was, and I was, it blew my mind. It just blew my mind. I was like, I have to have this. It was it's like a, <laughs> it's like a compulsion. It's an obsession, and like I have to have this. It's not fiscally responsible at all, right. but I have to have it, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get it. So I did that. It's fun, man. I, I like going for it. I like, uh, you know, working hard to get what I want. Luckily, my wife is very supportive of, of my hobby. That's always my good. Like that. That's good. You need the wife to actually back you up on the big purchase like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because that could be, you no. Know, that could be, some people be trying to hide that kind of thing. From uh, that could be divorce, so my, my wife's man. Great about it. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's great about it. But yeah, it was, it was awesome to acquire that. And, and now that it's gone, it's, uh, I have respect for having had, you know, having owned it. You know, yeah. the main reason I sold it was to two things: one, get a, 
a really nice house for me and my family. And then two, I'm able to put all that other money back in the hobby and, you know, buy stuff that's a little more liquid and buy deals and go through it and find cards I like and, you know, the wheeling and dealing and the trading and all the fun stuff instead of just having all the money tied up in a great card. I can only imagine how great it would feel to own that card, but I probably have the worst case of anxiety if I actually had that in my possession. Did you take the Stone Cold Steve Austin approach of DTA, don't trust anyone, and were cautious about who you told that you had that card? Not really. A lot of people knew I had it, and it's kind of the same, the same thing. It was in a safe at my house, a really, I mean, it's a really impossible to break in safe at my house when I lived out in Arizona. And people, I think people knew I had it. But then again, if this is the kind of thing like, it's like, it's like if you're going to steal something like this, it's like stealing the Mona Lisa. There's only so far you're going to be able to get to it. Absolutely. It's going to be pretty easy to track you down one day. Now, what I would worry about was, some, you know, if something crazy happened, like, you know, even though my, my safe was supposed to be very fire resistant and something crazy happened like that. I didn't, when I owned it, I didn't insure it. I didn't insure it up for the full amount because that would just be very, very expensive to do. When Heritage Auctions came to, uh, when they sent, they sent an armored truck to pick it up. Oh, wow. When I can, when I consigned it to them, it was pretty cool to hand it off in a, a locked up bag and That's pretty have cool. an armored guard take it. As you mentioned, Devin, one of the reasons why you sold the card was to get a house for your family. And that's fantastic. But I have to ask you, how many sleepless nights did you have about potentially selling this card? I'm kind of aggressive when it comes to cards. You know, if I see something and I'm like, man, I got to have it, I got to have it. I had already done this when I had the 52 mil. When I was going about a 52 mil 9, I had already done this before. I did this with the 53 mil 10. And so those two cards alone was like an uncomfortably large portion of my financial portfolio. There's not many people on the planet that would say it was safe or smart to have what percentage of my uh, net worth I had in just two baseball cards, let sure. alone the other stuff that I had. So it, it made sense to sell one of them. And then the, the decision to, that it was kind of a hard decision to choose between the two. And ultimately, the, some of the things that I, I that went into play in my head were, okay, let's see here. The 52 mantle, nine, it, it's, it might be the best nine of the 52 mantle. It right. might be, which would make it the fourth best 52 top mantle overall. That's pretty significant, though. It is pretty significant. In the 53 Tops Mantle, there's two PSA 10s. Uh, I own one and Marshall Fogel owns the other. And I've seen Marshall's in person, and Marshall knows that I'll tell everyone after seeing his that mine is by far the best on the planet. So I, for the 53 Tops Mantle, I own the best one on the planet. That it doesn't get any better, you know? So if I sell the 52.9, maybe one day down the line, I can keep working really hard and be able to afford one of the 52 10s. If, 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 I, I mean, I know I sold an iconic card, but. I don't have any regrets. I still have my 53, which is the best 53 on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I can always keep the team alive of owning a, a 52 mantle 10. Or, you know, or even, you know, I'm, I'm very actively buying collections and inventories of cards to go through for grading and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty sure. much what I do with my life every day. You know, <laughs> That's know, great. Maybe one day, maybe one day <laughs> I come across a big find that is a 52 mantle 9 in there. Yeah, why not? You never know. Yeah. You never know what's out there. How would you describe your emotions once the auction ended? The final price was two point eight million, which was it was that was within the range of what I thought the card would sell for. But it was honestly, it was in the lower range of what I thought it would sell for. Sure, uh, I was thinking it would might be two. I think it, was, it might be two seven to I think three four on the high. So to see it up to two eight eight was, you know, it was okay. There wasn't as, it was it wasn't much emotion either way. If it was going to go much higher, I'd have probably been really really excited. But it was kind of on the lower end. It was like okay, you know, I kind of expected that. So, you were sort of satisfied. 
but you thought you could have got a lot more for it. That sums it up pretty well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a great car. It's iconic. I can only imagine that there's always going to be some sort of disappointment because we all value our cards in different ways and we all think they're worth more than what somebody's willing to buy them for. I still think the trading card industry has a lot of room to grow. One of the things that makes me believe that is when I look at cars or art Mm -hmm. and see what those, at, at at the elite level, with the best of the best, how it performs, it's just insane what that stuff does. You see paintings going for multiple hundreds of millions of dollars. Sure. You know, if someone could, you know, it's just one painting that was worth a few hundred million dollars. If that kind of money came into the hobby, then almost everything in the hobby would double. Oh, no question about it. In all honesty, what you had was the card equivalent to Amazon stock, and you cashed in on its current worth. Are you, and I don't know what the right word is here, curious, nervous, maybe even scared to know how much the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle will be worth five to 10 years from now? No, I know it's going to be worth a ton. I know it's going to be worth a lot of money five to 10 years from now, but I also know what I can do when I have that money back active and turning. You know, I'm going to work my, work my butt off and keep going. And it might have been easier to sit on that card, but it's a lot of money tied up and I'll stick to doing what I know and working hard. If I was able to own both for that whole time, I'm sure I would be doing really, really well. But, you know, it came to a point where, like I said, it didn't make sense financially for me to have that much money tied up in cars. Sure. But I do agree. I know the car, in five to 10 years, that car's going to be worth a lot of money. Yeah. If you really, really think about it, you sold it for $2.88 million within five to 10 years. I mean, it's going to at least double, if not more than double. That could very easily happen. And I, you know, I don't really have any regrets about it. I'm, I'm excited for the amount of exposure that came to the industry just because I sold that car. Sure. You know, there was a lot of, there's a lot of worldwide coverage on that sale. You know, I did a lot, did a lot of big time interviews. And so it, it, it did, I think it did good things for the, for the trading car industry. Got some, some new people involved, got some people that were involved earlier in life, but had given up on it. They came back into the hobby. There was one guy who had a really nice collection who saw my mental sale and he consigned his collection to Heritage. Mm-hmm. And in his collection, there were, I think there were five to two tops mammals and one of his ended up grading an eight five. Wow. That's, an, that's easily a million dollar card. You mentioned that you're going to work hard and you're going to try to go out there and buy another 52 Tops Mantle at some point. Now, when that time comes, will you try to buy one graded or raw? To me, it's all about eye appeal. So I'm never going to buy the holder. I want to see the card. I want to stare the card very closely. Because there's some cards that have technical grades that are much lower than the actual eye appeal. Um, and then, then there are, and, and the same is true vice versa, where there's cards that have technical grades that just don't even look anything like they like they're graded. But that's just you know the way it is. Oh sure. But especially when it comes, especially when it comes to centering, you can have technical technically a, a card that's a PSA 10 can have 60 40 centering on the front, and all of that fits with the standards for a gem main card. It's not something I'd want in my collection. Right. So you know, one day if I ever, I mean, I'll, I'll probably will own. A, I mean, I own a few right now. Mm-hmm. But not there's just kind of more inventory pieces and not like collection collection pieces. Uh, but when I do find one again one day for my collection piece, it'll probably it'll probably be a high end graded one. Nice. From a design perspective, it doesn't get any better than the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle card. It's what cards should be. It's what cards were meant to be. It's simple. It's impactful. It has everything that you want from a card. What is it about this design that really stands out to you? Because for me, this is the card that set my mindset for collecting cards. Yeah, I think that like what you're saying is the design of that, the whole design of that stuff is absolutely amazing. And the, the, the plain blue background 
yeah. kind of makes mantles stand out in the card. And the way that you know you have a painter's rendition of a of an actual picture, and that's how you ended up with all the the, the pictures on the cards. Um, and then the kind of the framing and kind of around the border. There's just, it, there's just so many things about it that you know. Even ha- had we never been exposed to it, we might you know if we saw one today, having never seen one before, we might be, we might we probably say that's a pretty cool design. I like that. Uh, but you know, combine that with the fact that it's been you know kind of growing up growing up in the industry and and seeing that card plastered everywhere and and looked at as the holy grail and praised in so many ways. You know, it's just it's like a compounding effect that it has. Evan, you and I are about the same age. I'm 37, and you're 36. We were not alive when Mantle played, but obviously you're just as fascinated with him as I am. To me, he's the definition of a generational player, because no matter the generation, his legacy in the game and greatness in the hobby continues. What is it about Mantle, other than his card values, that makes him so desirable in the hobby today? I guess he's like pretty much an American hero. You know, I think that he was a guy who was full of athletic potential. And although he had a great career, he didn't really live up to his athletic potential. You know, he battled alcoholism and other things like that. And I think that a lot of people can relate to the struggles that come along with life, even though no matter who you are, you know, life can throw some curveballs at you. And Mantle was someone that was kind of just representative of America. A special thank you to Evan Mathis for joining me. Such a great discussion about the symbol of the baseball card hobby the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle. I appreciate everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review and rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Chris Stuber and at BB Cards Daily. I'm Chris Stuber, and this has been the Baseball Cards Daily Podcast.